Hello, FPL managers. Welcome to the 10th episode of the FPL Optimized podcast. This is the podcast in which we combine analytics with the good old eye test. I'm Sartab, the data scientist, and my guests are today Simon and Jamie. Data or grass or data and grass, that's the question. Thanks for tuning in again. I don't know how we managed to reach 10th episode. Bas is still on vacation, but he will be back for the next week's episode. I'm very curious to hear if he even thought about FPL during vacation or not. It could have been a good time for him to invest some time learning analytics for FPL, like optimization, prediction models and all, but I doubt he did anything. Today, I have two very special guests. Simon, it is analytic underscore FPL on Twitter, and Jamie, we underscore rogue on Twitter are joining me today to answer questions about FPL, their podcast, the corridor of uncertainty, how they play the game, what lies in the future of the game. And I'm hoping to make Simon say a few controversial stuff <laughs> while we are recording it. To introduce them briefly, Simon is from London, retraining to be a software engineer. If anyone is looking for a new software engineer, Simon is your guy. Simon has been playing FPL for five years and was using analytics or analytical approaches in general since the start. And Jamie is an instructor in professional data analysis in a bootcamp style coding school. He has been playing FPL longer around 11 to 12 years. And as I mentioned, they have a podcast called The Corridor of Uncertainty, which we have mentioned in our previous episodes. It is one of the first if not the first, analytics-focused FPL podcast in the market, as far as I know. Okay, let's start. Corridor of Uncertainty. New episode coming when? Who wants to go first? This is it, isn't it? Yeah, coming well, now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can certainly count this as one, but are you going back to your like monthly schedule at one point? Yeah, we should, we should probably do another one, shouldn't we? Yeah. We, um, to, to pull back the curtain a little bit for listeners, we were going to do one in kind of late May to finish off the season. Had a date, uh, kind of life came up, couldn't do it. Um, and then I think early June, we were like, yeah, let's rearrange it for a couple of weeks. And now it's mid-July and we just forgot. Hmm. But for the na- new season, are you kind of, Thinking of doing another one then? Yeah, yeah. That's that. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are not hundred percent sure. Right? <laughs> I don't know how many we managed this season, three or something. Uh, yeah, I think this the season's got to just be extended until we've done six six episodes, right? I agree. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, pre-season ones are quite easy normally. They're, they should be quite fun. So normally after we do one, I'm like, yeah, let's do another one. Um, but then it's normally me who's like, oh, I can't do it, Simon, you know. <laughs> um, so, yeah, like, uh, I think the longer you go without doing one, the, the easier it gets. <laughs> so don't stop doing them, sir. Okay, okay. I will certainly <laughs> try. I wasn't sure if we were able to, you know, record this many episodes at the beginning. But yeah, okay, I will try. Actually, Simon's feedback on that helped me a lot because uh, when we first recorded our uh, initial episode, 
Simon said something along the lines of like decide what you want to do first uh, either you know record shorter or you know cover more topics if you want to do a longer podcast so we, we have decided to record only 30 minutes in our regular episodes I think it makes our life much easier because also the preparation time is shorter than I assume compared to other podcasts but how how many hours were you guys investing when you record an episode? Preparation time. <laughs> <laughs> you just just open and record yourselves? Yeah, pretty much. I think oh, you've okay. put in more prep than we've ever done for any of our episodes. Mm-hmm. We normally just go like, what do you want to chat about? Oh, uh, yeah, this seems kind of interesting. And then we just kind of get on and chat. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so we don't even have the excuse of... The preparation time being an obstacle at all, at all. <laughs> it's just literally the recording time and the editing time simon's done all the editing that takes a bit of time yeah to be fair we're we're better now than we were so it doesn't really need that much editing yeah but i assume you just you know talk briefly about what you want to talk in the episode right like the main theme okay yeah, okay. yeah i just have a few topics and stuff got it And I have asked this question already uh, in my initial questions, but how have you started the podcast? You mentioned that you came up with the same or similar idea around the same time, but I mean, what did motivate you to start a podcast in the first place? Like, why did you say, yeah, this is a good idea. Let's, you know, start a podcast. Jamie? Me? Um, yeah, I mean, like, I think it was, for me, it was just the absence of the kind of stuff that um, me and many other people were increasingly interested in, you know, like, it just, you know, like, I listened to other FPL podcasts, certainly used to listen to them a lot, and I really enjoyed them. And it's not like a, a slight at any uh, of the other, like, good material that was being produced, but it just wasn't um, really covering the sort of issues that I was interested in specifically, you know, mm-hmm. and the detail of them, the technical stuff. Um, and so I kind of started thinking, well, like, somebody should do it. Mm. and um yeah uh, you know I, I was talking to a friend and and they were like you know they were like yeah you should do it like you, you know you could do it and I was like yeah do you think and they were like yeah yeah totally and so I kind of like got this sort of like confidence up that like yeah okay maybe I could be like a person to do it and then um it was literally like a don't know a day or something like that after that Simon posted a, a message about who wants to host a podcast with me and I was like met Start DMing him. Um, so yeah, it was it was I wanted to have these things discussed. Hmm. Things like, you know, just like a scientific approach or a probabilistic approach, or you know, just like thinking about how you kind of model expected outcomes and how you let that influence your decision making. And um, you know, it's maybe some of the sort of like strategic things that weren't so um much to do with the week to week who's a buy, who's a sell, you know, like that merry-go-round type thing. And maybe just like a, a place to talk about the strategy. You know, I did I did quite like the Meet the Manager podcasts that they did on Scout, or at least I liked the idea of them a lot. I really liked the idea of like getting into the kind of meta of the game a bit more and people's strategies and stuff like that. I, I, I did kind of find that they, 
I felt like they covered a lot of the same terrain quite quickly. And so they sort of ran, ran out of interest in things. And so, yeah, still, still had that kind of interest in hearing this stuff talked about more. I see. Okay, fascinating. Simon? Yeah, yeah, pretty much the same. Um, Jamie, you're so much nicer than me the way you answer it. Because you're basically just saying the other podcasts are boring, but the way you phrase it, it's just so diplomatic. Because <laughs> that's that's the way like my brain put it. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, pretty much the same. It was just like, um, I found that in my decision-making process, like I wasn't really using any of the like, week-to-week material from any of the podcasts anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, cause you're just like pretty like heavily model based. And so like hearing other people's opinions on like, who's good by and who's not just wasn't very interesting to yeah. me. Um, but kind of like working out how to like turn those like kind of like bits of analytical data into coherent strategy, um, seemed a bit interesting. Um, so it wasn't even who wants to host podcast me. The tweet I put up was like, would anybody int- be interested in like listening to it? Uh, just to see if anyone was up for it. Um, <laughs> and I got a pretty good response. And I was like, yeah, okay, I can like shoot the shit and um, chat about FPL for a while. Yeah, seems seems quite fun. Is that what it was? I've totally like rewritten history there. To be like, oh, I was, I was invited, you know, but I was just like inviting myself onto your podcast. Yeah, to be honest, it probably would never have happened if you hadn't done X. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have like been organized enough to go and find another host. I see. I see. I see. Okay. That's great. Well, I love the, the structure of your episodes because you talk about a topic in detail and it's not, as you mentioned, not tied to a specific game week. So you can just listen it at any time in future and it will still make sense. But I guess the, the problem with that is like if you run out of materials, then I mean, it's the same material, but it's sometimes it makes more sense to apply it to in the current situation. Okay, this idea now is... Uh, more valid i guess okay um yeah that might be why we have have recorded less because i suppose when we cover a topic once we try to cover it well and then there might <laughs> there might not be reason to t- for us to talk about it again you know so yeah and we don't yeah we don't have kind of um e- easy material i suppose as as, as things go on we're, we're more like yeah trying to find novel things to say which is increasingly hard um for me at least yeah yeah i mean mean, people have forgotten by now we could just recover it again (laughs) i think so i agree i agree i guess the the there is some still value of yeah like applying this those like old ideas to new situations like especially like stuff like i don't know like price point for example i think we also have a question about that but I mean, uh, from an analytical perspective, I find it very difficult to apply. I mean, you can record an episode and then answer that question once, but then it will come again and it's not the same, exactly the same, because there are always some differences in terms of which players you are sacrificing, you know, a position for and which options, if they make sense. Yeah, I, I think there's still meat to it. There, there definitely is. And like, and I think... I suppose the thing here is like given that we probably don't have the stamina or um, (laughs) tenacity and determination staying power to record weekly we're just like you know um, 
uh, were resigned to recording less frequently than that. So you know, if you if you can if you if you're able to tackle those things weekly, then I think there's a real like space for that as well. And I think you that the pod that you have here has done a great job of that so far. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, just uh, thinking about it now, like one thing we have done a couple of years out of two um, is we've like checked in after about a month of the season, just kind of like chatting about the teams. And uh, that's kind of like easy new material of just like how the teams are playing. And like, uh, I think uh, we're both going to be, I think I'm about like, just a year behind you in everything. So I've just like sacking off my player model and kind of like putting more effort into the team ratings one. Uh, so yeah, we could probably get some material there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We squeeze out a few more episodes, but it probably would be quite. It wouldn't. It would. It would stop being an FPO podcast at that point. <laughs> yeah, that might happen. Yeah. Well, that sounds good to me. I mean, as a <laughs> <laughs> listener. Okay, let's talk about you, Jamie. So I know you have been very quiet in terms of FPL last season, and well, at least that's you know how I see it. Uh, you don't share much and I think you used to share more and now thinking about it you're probably the first person I message every time if I get tilted in a game week I message you and I say I hate FPL and you always have an answer and you always seem like you're in peace well how do you achieve that like is there a place you go and meditate between game weeks and you know be chill and zen Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm sort of flattered by the question because, you know, I'm glad if I can be that for for you or, or for anyone else. Um, but, yeah, like, I, I tend to be quite a laid-back person, I think, and don't let things bother me overly, um, <laughs> which has, like, pros and cons. You know, sometimes I can be less invested than I should be in stuff, or at least as other people see it. Um, and yeah, like I, I try to have like a sort of stoicism and like, I'm interested in, um, Buddhism, uh, to some extent and stuff like that. And I, I try to kind of, yeah, like pick up some of that stuff to use in life, but not necessarily to use an FPL. I think, I don't know. I feel like I've been around the block quite a lot with FPL and like, there's only so many times you can kind of get really upset about a particular mm. beat and stuff like that because you've kind of seen it before and so you kind of go oh yeah I remember that <laughs> that happened to me you know a few years ago and I was <laughs> I hated it you know and so I do think I've gotten a bit detached and a bit numb and that kind of that is a trade-off you know like okay maybe I'm really chilled out but also you know lower highs and higher lows um so yeah it's it's not as fun probably um mm. except the fun you know the, you don't get the enjoyment out of getting good results that you might get if you were more invested you know so that that's the trade-off I, I still find aspects of it fun um but yeah I mean I don't have a I don't pretend that I'm immune to that either like I said in, in that, the, the question um I do get tilted by stuff quite a lot and maybe I just don't Maybe I kind of I'm too embarrassed to kind of um, share that with other people. <laughs> I just like <laughs> quietly seething about stuff, and uh, yeah, I listen to um, one thing I do is I, I listen to certain music really loud when things are going badly. <laughs> um, but yeah, like so, I'm glad, really glad if I can, yeah, if I can sort of 
impart some some calming uh, fatherly old man vibes <laughs> onto uh, onto you or other people. But yeah, it's um, no special advice um, at all. I think it's just a, maybe just a bit of not wanting to expose myself to those bad feelings because I know they can be really bad and I guess I'm opting out of having those uh, to the extent that I can. So were you emotionally invested at one point in your like FBL career or? Definitely. Yeah. Like, yeah, for sure. Um, I think to start with, I was sort of just playing in work leagues and very, very um, ignorant of the wider community and notions of like good play and stuff like that. And certainly like never been on social media and stuff like that as well. Um, so just like very much in my own little world. And I had this these crazy Excel spreadsheets, like all this um, web of like jazzy stuff going on that some of it was semi-sound, some of it was like total garbage and stuff like that. And I was just like mm -hmm. winging it. Um, and so I got really into that. And then one year I kind of like struck gold, you know, and I was like, I, I just had like a really hot start and then I was getting, doing extremely well. And that kind of continued for quite a long time. And then I started getting more interested in like things like Twitter, because I knew that sometimes people leak lineups and stuff. So I was like, okay, maybe I should get on here. Mm -hmm. And then I found myself like, replying to messages because I wanted to get involved in the conversations of that Simon actually and and Rooster were two of the first people that I ever got into chats with and stuff talking about XG and stuff like that um and then I was extremely invested for like that season and like getting really into like FPL Twitter and the idea of good play and stuff like that and then I think gradually from then I've kind of like let go a little bit And um, it was easier last season because I can see that so many people are so much closer to the details and have so much more time and energy for it than I felt like I did. And so I'm like, okay, like I can't compete with that. You know, I'm going to take a step back now and try and do, try and do it well for me and try and maybe use that as an advantage to the extent that I can, that mm -hmm. little bit of, of perspective and stuff like that, and maybe just a little bit of like being chilled out about it and see if that kind of confers any benefits. Um, because folk like you two and Kiwi and Trout and mm -hmm. like the folks that are in a lot of our chats and stuff like that, I just, I, you know, I can't really, I, I was not in a position to compete with that if you if we're thinking about it in a competitive way in terms of like time and interest and attention to detail and stuff like that. So I was kind of like, okay, maybe I'll 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 let other people carry that torch a, a little bit more. Um, so yeah, I see, I see. And regarding next season, what are you planning? Because I heard you might not play this season. I think you are still thinking about it. So I am seriously thinking. Yeah. <laughs> what are you saying? It happens every year. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's yeah. not going to play and then he'll make a team a week before. That's it. I'm like, I'm just, I'm just looking for attention is all it is. Um, <laughs> now, um, it, it's true. It does happen every year for me. It is, it is pretty much a, a discussion that I have with myself. Um, and sometimes I involve other people um, about whether I'm going to play. I've taken a year off before back even just back when I was a hacker trying to win my works winning league because it was like I was getting too into it and stuff like that and then I've, I tried to take a year off again and I ended up entering a team in game week two mm -hmm. 
that it's like is that missing out um and then I think most most years since then I've been like yeah it's about time to take a year off um and this year I'm getting to the point where I'm kind of getting confident that I will take a year off perhaps mm. from playing FPL I don't think I'll manage to stay away from like the FBL community. I've got loads of friends and I'm loads of interest really interested in the work that happens and stuff. Um and that sort of thing. But I think I might manage not to play. I'm just looking, I'm kind of just looking at it as what could I do with my time? And I'm like the least organized guy ever. I, mm-hmm. I let my time run away and like it causes problems for me in my personal life and prevents me from doing other things that I'd really like to do and stuff like that. So I think looking at it as a positive, like if I was just liberated from the obligation to play for a year and what else could I do with that time? And maybe it might be quite good for me on a personal level and stuff like that. Um, I, I think I'm getting there. And I think the dynamics of the season are making it a bit easier to make that decision, like with the pricing and the chips and stuff like that. It's kind of like, mm. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's that's a lot of talk for me. Okay, okay. And how about you, Simon? Like, what do you think about the new season? Are you excited as opposed to Jamie being, you know, a little bit bored? Uh, not really. Um, okay. I guess, yeah, it's like I say, I'm just basically a year behind Jamie and everything. Um, <laughs> Maybe next year, this time, you will be like, yeah, I'm taking Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I toyed with the idea earlier when I, like, I think the, the game is getting, like, objectively worse as a game. Uh, like, the, the game design is getting worse. Mm-hmm. And that makes it less interesting to me. Um, so that's kind of why I was, like, just kind of, like, toying with the idea. Last year, I got like really into it, uh, like kind of hyper focused on it, and um, then like by the time game week thirty eight came around, I was like gagging for game week one. <laughs> uh, it wasn't up for a break at all. Like I know, I've, like tons of people were burnt out, and then I just kind of like just don't really care. But I'll probably just play it quite zoomed out and not put that much time in. Uh, I definitely, definitely hear what Jimmy's saying on like if it's getting in the way of life, like just go for life instead. It's definitely important, but I'll probably just kind of play it in like a pretty chilled out way, chuck the data in a solver and uh, see what happens, and kind of outsource the details and thinking to the group chat and just follow follow along and um, yeah, just chill out with it really. Um, so I guess um, see how that goes and. Uh, if I'm not able to do that, I'll maybe take a year off next year. Yeah. But yeah, I, I have to say, I, I have um, less excitement than I did for any other season this season. Okay, it's interesting. Maybe I'm also like two years, maybe one or two years behind you. <laughs> maybe I will eventually reach where you guys are now. But I feel like I want to see like analytical players to get more successful because I mean there's this, always this talk of well analytics is not enough to win FPL. I mean, well, first of all, no one is claiming to that degree, but analytics people have the same chance or more chance than other like players who are just playing without the aid of data, in my opinion. So I want to see that at least one of us to get the title or at least get very close to winning it and then we can say well 
that's it. Okay, we're not playing anymore, I guess. Yeah, for sure. Other like, do you know the like XKCD comic where it's like, come to bed and I can't, why not? Someone's wrong on the internet. And I just kind of feel like I can just like, I'm just getting better mm-hmm. at leaving that. Yeah. No, I think I mean it's it's good. So you know, we 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 defer to you, Sir Tab. You're the you're the you're the young blood here. You've got you've got fresh eyes. You're not burnt out. You're producing loads of cool new stuff. You know, like you, it's good that you're feeling up for it and you you want to see it, see us, uh, you know, uh, conquer SPL. So yeah, totally love it. And regarding the future of the game. Uh... In the initial answers, Jamie mentioned that I don't think that there are too many step change type developments left to discover. Focus might move to minutes estimation. And this is something that will always benefit from some degree of watching the games and understanding the dynamics of the teams. He said, the game itself is perhaps too crude for us to expect it to respond much better to defter and defter approaches. Well, I read this and I was thinking, well, we're kind of putting more and more effort lately. Like we are trying new stuff and well, sometimes some of them work, but most of them doesn't. Like we come up with this really cool idea. We try it and it doesn't work. So, but would you like to expand on that a little bit? I mean, uh, so like, do you think we know how the game should be played and there's well less to discover left? um roughly yeah i mean mm-hmm. um i think there are like let's just st- take it from like a pure analytics point of view um at the moment if you've got like very good um player projections and you've got very good um kind of evidence-based heuristics and rules of thumb about when and to use transfers and these sorts of things and then you've got solvers that you were getting better and better at using and they're getting more and more functionality and stuff like that they can actually help us just crunch numbers and scenarios and things um i am not sure like okay so it's probably tale as old as time. Like if you're not someone who's particularly visionary or whatnot, mm-hmm. then you might find the next big invention like hard to see. But I don't see that there's much of a, like a, a, a prize that we kind of haven't at least got a, a one hand on so far in terms of um, like an analytical approach. Mm-hmm. And then in terms of like your question about like how the game should be played, I mean, I think... This is just me thinking about this now. I didn't really hint at this in the, my answer to the question, but I think that there's probably a bit of a coming together of the kind of pre-analytics um, heuristics that were developed by good managers about how to play the game well and involving some degree of watching and understanding football and the analytics style stuff that we have since discovered. I think that kind of that's probably quite exciting to think about this kind of um, hybrid approach, like, you know, with um, Gary Kasparov, I think it was, proposed this advanced chess where a human plays with like the aid of an engine, you know, and you play against another human with an engine. It's kind of like that. Like, I, I think there's probably some, that, that's probably quite exciting. I think the, the thing about analytics is it's quite easy to sometimes lose sight of some truths, mm-hmm. which non-analytics players 
find obvious and things like that. Like, I think that can happen. I think we can talk ourselves into things which maybe we might not have done at all if we hadn't been so focused on numbers and stuff like that. Um, so maybe there's some like room there to improve in terms of like how to play the game. Yeah. Um, but the main point is around how much can you expect your skill? How far can you expect that to take you in terms of your likelihood to win FPL? Mm-hmm. And we kind of know that there's a, a, a relatively strong limit on the skill. Like you can't expect pure skill to carry you to anywhere near like number one OR. Like you mm-hmm. absolutely need to get a lot of what we would call variance, which is based on, of course, relative to a model expectations. But I think that's reasonable unless you're kind of, unless you think you can outpredict the model in certain areas, even if you look at the things like the outperformance versus the actual observed XG in the matches, that you still need loads of variance there. You still need loads of bounces of the ball, loads of goalies saving it off the line when they shouldn't have and people missing sitters and people scoring screamers and stuff like that. You still need loads of that to win. So from that respect, if you've got a um, range of games which respond in some degree to skill and to luck, then I think that we're understanding more and more that FPL is a game which uh, where luck has quite a quite a large say yeah. um, in terms of like how just how good you you can expect to do. And so I, I'm literally the last few years I've just been playing thinking maybe this will be the lucky one, you know, and I'm just waiting for the lucky one again. And I'm kind of just like waiting for that lucky one to roll back around. I had one, you know, and then the last three have been negative variance to varying degrees every year. Um, And yeah, I'm just, that's kind of like my approach to it, which is quite sort of fatalistic. You know, it's like, it's not saying I can do this, you know, I'm just saying (laughs) I'm just hanging around until, until I get, get some breaks. So that's kind of where it comes from. Like reviews article, which was more or less saying you could play at a, is it like roughly the best you can play in terms of massive data points? And then you're still like a roughly like 50, 50, you still need positive variance to come top 10 K yeah. something like, like roughly. Yeah. Not quite that. Like maybe it was like top 500 in massive data points and you still need positive variance to come top 10 K something like that. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of the angle I'm uh, speaking from there. Okay. And what do you think? Simon, so well, is FPL changing in general? I know your ideas on this a little bit, but it might be good to repeat here. Uh, yeah, I think, I think there's, there's a few interesting things to pick up on there. Um, I think if you look at uh, kind of like, I definitely think amongst like people that are using analytics, the edges are getting smaller, mm-hmm. and that uh, it kind of reflects like what's ha- what's happened in like real football analytics. So like predicting like attackers was always much much easier because xg did such a great job of it whereas mm-hmm. trying to evaluate a center back for example is extremely hard because you're trying to look at things like positioning on the pitch the space they're controlling and like the event data that we have just like doesn't really cut it and so like the way that uh the things that fpl rewards um are the things that like football analytics like solved first mm-hmm. um like, they're like the they're the piss easy things basically um and 
so therefore yeah the edges are going to get smaller I, I think there are some there's still like some reasonably like large ways to go in terms of like the kind of like analytical tools especially the solvers mm-hmm. uh, i think uh like we're probably on like v1 of like sensitivity analysis and like mm-hmm. looking at like what noise actually looks like and there's a few features which i think will like uh can give you like a, a reasonable like extra chunk yeah um uh so things like i think there's a question coming up on it later like it's actually a concept i thought about on like incorporating future buying value for example and like mm-hmm. managing team value in a much more analytical rather than heuristic way uh like i think there's like some ways to like push the strategy mm-hmm. i did disagree a bit on the um kind of like old school heuristics mm-hmm. in terms of trying to get better player projections mm-hmm. um because you can just if you're using an odds based model then the claim they're having to make is like i can outpredict the market and anyone who says that i just kind of laugh in their face <laughs> um because you just you generally can't um and so like the 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 skills is going to be like turning those player projections mm-hmm. at any one time into decision making mm-hmm. given the like uh, constraints of the game rather than in, in improving the like player projections themselves but i do think that anyone who's like not using analytics at all will get left by like far far behind as like a higher percentage of the player base uses it i see i see okay and i agree obviously okay um my last question before i start asking you about uh, asking you the questions we received on twitter and in discord is this so well you two have the opposite energy when it comes to analytics fc discussions <laughs> i should say I mean, Simon fights with everyone, has an answer to everyone. and But Jamie, I don't see you commenting much. So, well, at least that's how I see it. But what do you think about this whole grass versus analytics debate or the community in general? I personally, I mean, don't like heated discussions. I try to stay away from it. I don't comment much. I time to time get some comments on my like tweets because I mean, at the end of the day, most of these discussions we have is just about the variance because i mean you guys couldn't predict that this you know player could get a hole i mean no one could but i often see simon's answer to some of these discussions and i when i read it it makes me happy that someone is you know fighting <laughs> so what do you think is grass versus analytics an overrated discussion and an artificial one maybe uh yeah I'll, i'll i'll go first then um <laughs> i i think it's it's massively overrated um i think watching games definitely has value um i think the the reasons that people think it has value are often not um the actual reasons mm-hmm. uh but but i think the um the kind of like eye test or analytics is is a bit of a nonsense dichotomy Mm-hmm. Um I think just in general Jamie's a lover not a fighter and I'm a bit of an arsehole sometimes <laughs> <laughs> I just can't help myself <laughs> I mean if someone puts something like wrong in front of me it doesn't really matter what topic is and I, I, and I, I was just like even if I like don't know even if sometimes even if I think it's right I'll just challenge it just because it's way the, the way my brain works um Because it's kind of like how I like explore stuff and then like, yeah, sometimes it's just um, 
it's just a bit of fun really to to put some witty put downs on people who are being um nonsense merchants shall we say i see <laughs> and what do you think about that jamie well <laughs> yeah no i mean that's right like i um i don't do well with confrontation and stuff like that it just doesn't doesn't agree with me uh my um yeah my can't think of the word but yeah it doesn't doesn't really uh, agree with me so i'd struggle um with it you know it kind of makes me like uh stressed and stuff like that to to be like in a in a even if it's just someone like i don't know on twitter and stuff like that um so yes i avoid it and you know simon was joking about how sort of diplomatic i am but that is like uh that's that's also a symptom of that you know that's that's something that, I, that is a big part of my character um so yeah i like to yeah i mean i kind of there's a few parts to the question right like um the analytics versus grass like thing is it a construct you know like is it actually overrated or you know is it even a thing and i would say that yeah it, it is a thing because it it happens in like every walk of life with mm -hmm. generally with people who are skeptical towards a scientific method um and like <laughs> skeptical towards people that use reason and stuff like that as to, to, to inform their decisions um covid vaccines boiling hot weather climate change you know and like you, you don't need to look far before you, you you come across this this exact sort of argument that's happening all over the world and it happened in football analytics it still is happening it's still like trundling on but like not as much and um it happens in uh, fpl as well like fpl is a funny one because it's a really nerdy game like already mm -hmm. you know like you get you pick the little jerseys and you've got a hundred million pounds <laughs> and you have and like people get point you get five points for a goal and stuff like that it's like it's totally nerdy um and the idea that there's like these like macho guys who like know loads about football and they don't need to um look at stats and stuff like that it's just kind of it, it's it's funny um <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like a strategy game, right? It's a, it, I've, I've tried to tweet about it a few times, but we're basically playing like, um, you know, risk or something like that. But it just happens to be in a football context. It kind of happens to give you an excuse to watch football if you want to do that or to pretend like you know about football. And it turns out you don't actually have to know that much about football to be good at FPL. Like ev evident, you know, we can evidence it. Um, so. Yeah, I kind of think it's quite tiring. Um, maybe it's quite fun sometimes until it isn't. You know what I mean? Like people, people kind of think uh, they they put the other people a label on a group of people and say, "Oh, you're all like this, and we're all like that." And like, well, the Buddhist way of, of talking about that would be that it's very divisive. You know, as soon as you label something, you're saying, "I am this thing. I am not that thing," and and vice versa and stuff like that. So it creates division to have like. Um, to, to consider yourself it so when things were kind of kicking off a bit um in the summer we've got a chat with like a lot of the people who would be deemed to be in analytics fc in it and you know we were like asking some questions of ourselves like are we a group you know like 
<laughs> like because we fight all the time <laughs> in the chat room uh you know about stuff and so you know do we want to be considered as one do we want to like have a sort of set of like common beliefs do we have like you know a set of decorum that we want to adhere to and stuff like that and it's like no not at all really is it, it was a general like gist of it although we are a group you know so sometimes it suits us to consider ourselves as part of this team and sometimes it suits us to like say why are you attacking me for being part of this team i'm just an individual like you know and it's a reductive argument stuff like that so it's an interesting thing that happens in life and on twitter in general and lo and behold it happens in the fbl community as well um i could do without it really um i think but you know some people find that very fun and i find some of it pretty fun um when i'm watching other people do it so yeah but yeah you know it's a distraction gets away from from our important work here um so yeah <laughs> I, I love how you uh I love how you went from uh, I'm very unconfrontational and then just compared Grass FC to climate deniers and anti-vaxxers <laughs> in the same sentence. That was truly, truly art. Um, one thing I will add, though, is I've like been to a few FPL meetups and stuff with uh, people who are like classes, Grass FC, and like everyone's absolutely lovely in person. Like, mm-hmm. like it's only a Twitter thing. Like everyone gets on and everyone's lovely. Um, and like... Yeah, they like, go, yeah, you're a bit of an arsehole on Twitter, but you're actually really nice in real life. And I'm like, yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, Jamie was mentioning uh, earlier in the group chat that people are tribal. So we kind of find people with the same beliefs, same ideas, that, like having same ideas. And when we talk with each other, we can identify, you know, what we have in common and what other people don't. So I guess when you have a group chat and then you're uh, kind of talking with each other more than you talk to other people, it's easier to get the you know, same ideas getting rotated or amplified. Okay. The questions we have received on Twitter and FPL Analytics Discord channel, which both of you should visit at one point. Simon did. Uh, in past i was begging jamie to come because you guys have many fans over there we talk about corridor of uncertainty all the time how regular your schedule is okay (laughs) the first question is from brad taylor Uh, it is fpl h hidna on twitter asked i have noticed the solvers often go for a deeper bench but then i read fabio's interview on scout saying he puts all his budget into his first 11 how can this be? Thanks. Jamie, do you want to go first? Okay. I mean, so I, of the three of us, I'm the one who's least au fait with using solvers. Um, mm-hmm. So that that's probably like the first thing to say when I answer this. But yeah, like, I don't know exactly why um, solvers tend to propose a stronger bench for people it's just like i guess some of it might be to do with the idea of like um (laughs) um, having like just seeing the power in rotating people for fixtures like the the, you know the the degree to which people's points fluctuate in favorable fixtures and stuff like that and having people that um 
kind of tessellate nicely and then you can kind of have a, a you know really nice kind of user squad in that way i think the argument against that would be the the human feeling is well stuff's going to go wrong like people are going to get injured and so this guy's never going to get on in six game weeks time when i need him and stuff like that or um or what if is it less flexible to have the money more spread around because then when I want to push it all into getting an extra premium, I have to make four transfers instead of two or whatever. You know what I mean? So it's yeah. kind of like um, it goes against the, the the sort of heuristic rule of thumb, uh, I think, common wisdom of FPL. And that might be for the better and that might be for the worse. Like it could, it could kind of play either way. I don't really know that many people who play with a very deep bench yeah. really at all i consider myself to be one and then i look back at my squads and it's like yeah not really mm-hmm. um i think ben sutton does quite a lot mm. um he had a really good year i don't know if he was doing it when he had this really good year or whatnot but you know i, I really i don't know um that many people that do it mm-hmm. even though it is a, a solver like wreck and stuff like that um so yeah the point about Fabio, I mean, I don't know how much we can or should draw from analysing him, but maybe we should try to 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 kind of like be more receptive to the idea that there's kind of power in this. Like, I think for him, it's maybe just a simplifying assumption, which helps him to streamline his decision-making process, keep things clean, keep things uncluttered, make good calls, do it the way he knows and stuff like that. And sometimes you kind of get left behind if you are if you don't check that, you know, and you, you kind of stick with your heuristics. But as long as things don't change dramatically, then what you could say is, well, it's our way to do it. Yeah. And it's the way that I know and it's the way I'm comfortable with and it's kind of convenient and makes things kind of easy for me. So I'm going to keep playing that way. To go out with the solver wrecks, often you're going against intuition and you kind of have to go out into it on a limb. And computers don't care about things in the way that we do. Yeah. Um, So that can sometimes highlight areas like Simon talked about when he was on um, the the pod with Baker. Uh, You know, that can sometimes highlight areas that we wouldn't have thought of and it's wonderful you know it's great like when you took all those hits last season um and also it can give us a false sense of confidence about the viability of a plan that's kind of batshit crazy i think sometimes you know what i mean like it's you kind of think oh yeah the computer's telling me to do this thing and uh it's like yeah but that's that's you know if you kind of take it back it's like all it needs is like one little (laughs) <laughs> domino to sort of fall and it's like it's knackered and that and okay yeah like we're trying to look into doing sensitivity analysis and making it more robust and like not just you know I'm, I'm kind of being a little bit extreme in the way that I typify that people that use solvers but um yeah that would be the argument against yeah, it I yeah, think yeah. From, from a kind of FEL point of view yeah Simon um yeah, we kind of touched on this in like a pre-solver world didn't we when, when we had that whole like eight attacker debacle Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, that was when Jamie was breaking the rules without a computer. Um, and we kind of like, we, we touched a bit on our pod around like what it was actually like to play with it. So I ended up taking the piss out of you, then copying you, which tends to be a pattern that repeats. <laughs> 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 uh, 
And there's like, you kind of notice like what the solver was doing when you actually played with it. Cause you have, um, you have that rotation guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and you also have that bit of extra cover when there's like one week suspensions or like you get a small injury and then you're like, like have some transfers on it. And you're kind of like, there's all these kind of like downstream benefits. That you don't really think about when you're just, um, kind of just making your, your team as shiny as possible and putting all your money into your first 11. And it's, it's kind of interesting um, that the way that solvers like uh, like get the benefit is from that rotation of your first 11. It's not because they're putting like a huge weight on the guy on the first bench, like auto subbing on. Like yeah. it's not particularly sensitive to like how you change that parameter in your solver, uh, which gives me like more confidence that it's like a reasonable strategy. Mm-hmm. Um, regarding Fabio, I think he's clearly one of the best players in the world, like with an incredible record. But that that doesn't mean that everything he does is right. Um, mm-hmm. He could just be doing lots of things like close to optimal, and then have like one outlier skill, like say predicting minutes, for example, that like makes him the best player in the world. So I think we should um, like l- look to learn things from him as one of the best managers in the world. But I think the way to do that is to try and like break apart like what his special skills are, mm-hmm. um, and then try and go like, okay, well he's like kind of like same level as us on this and this and this but on this he's like way better and that's mm-hmm. where he's getting the results and i think to me that's that's the way to try and like learn from the best managers rather than just take everything they say as um mm-hmm. as gospel so um so yeah i i'd um i trust the solver and it's also i think it's also worth noting like how the solvers tend to have a slightly deeper bench they typically just spend like an extra like half a million or million on one extra player yeah yeah they're not they're not like completely they're not going full Ben Sutton in yeah, the way that he he goes like a lot of like mid-price guys and like rarely ever more than one premium. That that doesn't tend to be what solvers want to go for. Um they tend to just want I want to put like a bit of extra cash to give you one more viable rotation option. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think seems reasonable and like not really that um outside of like old school FPL heuristics either. Yeah. Well, even if, in even just to simplify it for goalkeepers, I had this issue because when I was first using an optimization solver, it kept giving me rotating goalkeepers because I mean, obviously we value fixtures more than other stuff. And well, the way to handle it is just, you know, rotating goalkeepers. When I was sharing my, you know, solutions, people complained a lot about like, I don't want to rotate goalkeepers. I just want to you know, buy a cheap goalkeeper for my bench and then use a lineup goalkeeper like constantly. And people also mentioned that when their bench goalkeeper gets lots of points, if they get upset because they're missing points, it feels like you could have it with a simple choice. But yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I think I think that is it. I was going to say the same thing just about before you move on. Like, I think that is like, it's that human aspect of the points for gone, you know, and you feel like an idiot. And it's kind of like that, like fear of ridicule type thing, you know, like in the work mini league, someone's going, Oh, you've got this guy on your bench and that, you know, and it sort of comes from there, like somewhere, you know, like human psyche, like, Oh yeah, it's embarrassing, isn't it? Like, whereas, you know, you you sort of lament it, you know, but um, (laughs) really that is, I think that is something to be overcome. You know, and I think it is really interesting this, um, like that particular question, 
and you've got the heuristics and they're very strong on one side. And then you've got the solver recommendations, which are really quite clear and logical on the other. And they, they butt heads, you know, and like, and okay, so who here plays with like rotating goalkeepers? I, I can't remember when I did it last, um, but like, I reckon, yeah, I can see a lot of benefit. I think I used two transfers on goalies last year because mm-hmm. of uh, suspensions and COVID and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, I, yeah, you know, I think I could get down with that definitely, but I don't know why I haven't. Fear of ridicule. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> like same thing existed existed for premium goalkeepers too. Like people thought premium goalkeepers are just too much, but analytics models insisted that you know premium goalkeeper is way to go because you can't spend that extra money for anywhere else and get the same improvement. There's a weird thing that's like that kind of annoys me that's happened most years, where it's like one cheap goalie has like gone off all year. Mm-hmm. You know, like there was like Pope's done it once or twice, Martinez did it once, um, maybe Ramsdale was it last like did it once and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And it's um, you know, or for the first half of the season or whatever. And that is like, you know, that's the argument against it, isn't it? He's like, no, you just get the guy that's doing amazing, you know, uh, you know, and um, like, you know, it was your first wild card. You get the guy that's got loads of points and then they just keep getting loads of points. And like, we kind of have a very stuffy attitude about that. And it's like, that's not going to keep happening and stuff. But I don't know. It's kind of annoying. Like, it, it seems like there is, it, it's, it's not that easily refuted. But the, the thing is, like, who actually ends up getting the guy? You know, how does it end up? Maybe that's an outsider point of view where you just, you think, oh yeah, that is kind of working out. And, you know, I may have not looked at it closely because I've never believed in it. I've always gone for the goalies that I thought were actually decent that played on like good defensive teams and stuff like that instead of these uh, charlatans. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Next question is from at FPL Football Metrics. It is metrics with an E asking how much EV would you be willing to sacrifice for the added flexibility of an extra 0.5 in the bank at the beginning of game week one? Simon? Um, uh, think a bit more. So um, to kind of like in the solver that uh, kind of like both of us have got, so built it off your, tut- off your tutorial, <laughs> <laughs> then there's a parameter for... Um, like the value of like money in the bank. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think we just should like jam that up a bit at the start. And then I will save the rest of my answer for the next question. Cause it's going to come in as I think the second thing you could do, but I will spoil the next question. So I'll leave that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it's from queen cola. It is at FPL cola on Twitter ask predicting perhaps tethered to EV plus noise future buy values is it even possible to do an accuracy worth implementing into models would it be worth the additional salt time uh well on twitter simon said he liked the question and will save his answer for the part so we're listening simon so i think um the way i would approach uh this and also it would like um kind of like solve the game week one problem is i'd look at uh, essentially decaying your money in the bank or your mm-hmm. total budget over the kind of future game weeks. Um, so like based on the assumption that the prices of the like rest of the kind of like FPL world are going to raise rise a bit quicker than uh, your squad value, especially because you only make profit on a double rise. 
Mm-hmm. Um, then I think like the easiest way to do this from like a kind of like solver perspective would be to uh, run some analysis and work out like how quickly that happens um, mm-hmm. and decay your bank values. So in the case where you, all your price points in game week one are kind of like 0.5 apart, um, decaying your bank value is gonna like take that flexibility into account when you're running the sensitivity analysis. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so that would be kind of like how I, how I'd go about it for kind nice. of both those questions. Okay, next one is from FPL Palm. It is at uh, Paul M underscore FPL on Twitter asks, we need to talk about wildcard one. It is absolutely critical to time the chips as you have discussed before. Many of the chips slot in expected weeks pretty simple, but how do you determine optimal play for wildcard one, which isn't linked to any blank or double game week and this year with the extra extra free wildcard so i mean just to say in advance wildcard one selection won't be too critical in my opinion in terms of the value it will be better to use around game week nine because i mean we talked about splitting the horizon into equal uh, parts well if you are one of those who want to increase team value perhaps a very early one would work like game week three four maybe but yeah, let's start with Jamie this time. Even if you are not <laughs> planning to play, have you checked what will be a good time to use wildcard one? Or at least how do you decide on it in a regular season? Um, no, I haven't checked. I've, I've heard people talking about like a fixture swing and stuff like that. And like normally there's things like international breaks, which can be good times to use it mm-hmm. because you know you get a lot of time I think there's a notion that there's a lot of price changes and it never really works that way. But um, (laughs) you get a lot of time to think about it, which is actually an advantage, I think. And your players come back and you don't know if they're going to be injured or like, you know, have COVID quarantine periods and stuff (laughs) like that. So um, that those can be convenient times. And if they tend to, uh, you know, interact with a fixture swing or something like that, then that seems nice. Like we said before, or no, we haven't, or unless you just said it there, but everybody knows um, everyone is going to get this like reset at World Cup time anyway, right? So yeah. your your season is, uh, you know, it's not like if you use an early wild card, it's going to be as detrimental as it was before because that's got to get you all the way through to when you next use one. You know that it's only going to get you, going to get you up to Christmas, right? Um, so... It, it almost puts a, a pretty a, a pretty hard limit on when you have to have used it by for it to be halfway sensible. You know, if you're using it like in game week 12 or something like that or 14, you know, you're probably kind of not getting enough time to get much out of it. Yeah. Um, people like to use it around about game weeks five, six, seven, eight sort of thing. Um, I'm actually rubbish at using... <laughs> my first wild card at those times i don't feel like i have enough information about what's changed from the start of the season uh you know normally i invest quite a lot at the start of the season and thinking about how it's going to go and i have relatively well informed opinions about the teams and stuff like that and obviously you get surprised and things but i'm normally not like really surprised by how the teams are um 
And so I tend to pick a wild card that like I want to just last me for the foreseeable future. Uh, game week one team that I want to last me for as long as it can, right? Mm-hmm. And then I've got a very sort of slow way of playing where I like to kind of like fill in the gaps and make sure everything's neat and tidy and stuff like that. And so I would be going against my way of playing if I was to like start playing fast and loose and ready to wild cards in. So the last few years, I've I always tend to run my wild card like right up until almost like Christmas time and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just because I'm not that good at um, using it earlier because of like my play style and stuff. So if I was to play this year, then I would have to adjust that. And I guess that game week nine sounds like a good time, right? Or some somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Simon, I know that you're usually a maverick when it comes to uh, chip timings. You usually have the chips that everyone have already used. <laughs> and sometimes you use your chip earlier than everyone else um yeah i, I remember um i ran up to christmas the year before last because there was that uh like double game week in 18 or, or something so like mm-hmm. you could run it up to 16 in like the um in like the, the the first full season after covid started um yeah i don't have a great um like process for it but i'm not sure like anyone does really. I'm not sure Solver's really equipped to do this well, uh, just because the, like you only see an eight-week horizon if you review data and you don't know kind of like what kind of hole you're going to be in, in the future. And I don't think we have great estimates of like what what the value of a wildcard should be, like what the threshold to clear is. Um, but like, yeah, kind of like similar to Jamie looking for like a fixture swing um, mm-hmm. or more likely what happens is I end up down a rabbit hole yeah. and like, I've got no other way out and then it's hit the button. Yeah. Yeah. I think for, for people who are using solvers, it's better to use it during the international break, as Jamie said, because I mean, solver thrives when you have a data that's more reliable and the probability of data changing a lot is well higher during international break because of the injuries and then the COVID. Yeah. Okay, so next one is from at FBL underscore Gerald asked, what is the process for building the game week one squad? And I think Simon is using optimization. And while we're here, tell us about how you use it. Like, do you generate a few different plans? Do you use sensitivity yet? What do you do? Uh, yeah, so I, I pretty much exclusively use only runs with sensitivity analysis. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what I'll, I'll generally do is I'll um, wait for the real review model to come out first. Okay. Uh, because garbage <laughs> yeah. in, garbage out. Um, and then I'll like run it for like a reasonably like high number of runs. Mm-hmm. Um, like something stupid, just like 500 or something. Mm-hmm. Um, just like let the computer like go a bit wild and complain at being hot for a while, <laughs> and then you kind of you kind of get back um, like almost like probabilities that you should include them mm-hmm. rather than like what your squad should be, um, and then it really depends on like what the like kind of like contours of that look like. So it could be say like Harlan's coming back like fifty fifty. Um, and if that's the case, you need to run it again a couple of times. You need to run it once with him banned and once with him like put in mm-hmm. uh, to kind of work out what your options actually are there. Uh, because 
putting in just the kind of like highest averages and Haaland at 50-50, well, you're going to have very, very suboptimal squads just like yeah. going from the top of the list. And then um, also you just really want to be digging into the, the minutes um, yeah. and making sure that your, your input data is correct. Um, and that that to me is the where most of the like um, human it, combination with an engine like skill mm-hmm. lies is is getting the minutes right. That's, um, true, that's true. And so as long as you have a kind of like rough idea of like who the top or like who the like potential players are, like the players who are appearing in like somewhere between like ten percent and like seventy percent of the runs are there you're kind of like maybes and so that's where you kind of like you can kind of like narrow in instead of trying to get the minutes right for everyone which um is just disgusting as a, <laughs> as a task uh you kind of like use a solver to like cut your attention down so you can like be a bit more focused and um try and get the minutes right for those players give it another couple of runs and then um just kind of like play around with how it fits together because again it, the top players won't add up to 100 million or necessarily be within budget so you've got to have a bit of like finessing to get from the the sensitivity analysis outputs into a, yeah. into a game week one squad and just to follow up so when running sensitivity analysis are you banning or you know forcing out certain players or you keep no uh i leave it pretty open so the only reason i'd, I'd ban or force is if i want to look at like a particular squad structure mm. um so I remember, or like if there's um, players who are really, um, really close, and that's not even for a game week once, but that's just in general. I remember there was one decision last year where it was like, uh, I end up selling Robertson, but I could have sold Mount and James taking hits or, or whatever. And like, uh, if you took the noise off, it was like the optimal plan really varied on like two expected minutes or whatever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I ended up like running like, tons of different combinations of just like what happens if you sell this guy what happens if you sell this guy um because you needed to kind of like zoom in a bit but i think like i i I don't really see a uh like great like reason to be banning players or making players like put stuck in unless you want to kind of like lock something and then zoom in on the rest um Mm -hmm. so uh, yeah i kind of like treat it as a zoom tool more than anything else got it got it and let me continue with the other questions because we are almost running out of time. So I will try to go over these questions uh, quickly. Uh, Dilksy, it is at Dilksybab asked, I will be interested to know if they can imagine or know of any future developments in football analytics, like the recent expected threat metric from StatsBomb and how these might change the way we understand the game. And I think expected threat is Karun's work, right, Simon? Statsbomb has something similar with a different name, I guess. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And um, mm-hmm. to give like the credit where it's due, like the original kind of like possession value like concept mm-hmm. uh, was like Sarah Rudd at a mm-hmm. place called Stat DNA, which then got bought by Arsenal, and then like everything disappeared from public view, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, football analysis has kind of been moving that way for a while. Uh, so like away from like shots as the kind of like main bit of understanding towards possession chains. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, possession value is really useful. I think um, the the most like interesting future development uh, to me in, in football analytics is the like 
better con context around the data rather than just the on-ball event data. So like touched on it earlier in the pod of like evaluating centre-backs mm -hmm. um, yeah. is ex extremely difficult um, and tracking data is like very hard to collect and very hard to work with. Uh, so this kind of like in between of like Stats Bomb 360, which allows you to just evaluate a lot more of the game other than just what's happening on the ball. Uh, I think mm -hmm. that's really the direction that um, I think it's super interesting. Okay. And I will ask this next, next question to Jamie. It's from at Dave C Z F L asking, I don't have much time between game weeks. What is the single most useful thing I could do as standard to improve my decision making? I mean, this is a good one. And it's also a common question too, because some people who are new to analytics or, you know, looking into applying it, I mean, what would be the easiest way to do it? <laughs> well, the, the thing that it makes me think is like um, the, all the people who are using analytics pretty much will refer to like what a model would would recommend them to do, I think. Yeah. And it would be, you know, so that's that might be how you generate ideas or that might be how you check the validity of the ideas that you have independently had or some combination of those things. Um, mm -hmm. So recently I've been, I, like last year, I was just using it basically to generate the ideas for me. So like if you are a subscriber to FPL Review, you can um, get it to suggest transfers for you, even just in the browser, you know, or better still, if you have the projections and use a solver and things like that, then, then great. Um, that is a very nice objective way of seeing moves and not just like seeing the best move, but seeing all the moves and, and how close to each other they're expected to pan out. You know, so if you kind of like don't like the first one because it smells a bit and you're not sure if this guy's actually going to play. And then, you know, the second one seems a bit esoteric or, you know, like you, you don't like that player for some reason or something like that like you can you can see what the trade-off is for going down the to the next options and things like that um so i think there's that is i mean i think some that's anathema to some people right they hate that idea of being told what to do is like okay well you know why am i here like surely you just let the computer play for you that's so boring and stuff like that but you don't you know it's that's a starting point that's just and, and how you choose to interact with that and, and implement into your decision making is up to you. Hmm. You know, I leaned a lot on conversations and like eavesdropping on other people and like using trying to find out what the general consensus was about players by like osmosis of being around Twitter chats where smart people who were more engaged than me were talking about stuff. Um, and I just sort of combined that with how my team was looking, my kind of um my tendency to want to have like a team that was kind of uh, quite low maintenance and mm -hmm. like uh, long term and stuff like that and then like put it all together with the suggestions and kind of used it so I mean I don't really know it's a difficult question to answer because you could be at a very lots of very different stages along the kind of uh, experience curve with regards to how good a manager you are and how good your decision-making process already is but I would say if you try to introduce a bit more objectivity no, don't you know obviously there's the kind of 
big no-nos like just making the transfers on a Friday night, like on a Saturday night, out, like knee-jerking people out and stuff like that and, mm-hmm. and taking too many hits and things like that. You know, I think you can use a bit of discipline to kind of elevate your game quite easily with a bit of experience there. And then after that, yeah, it's just about kind of um, trying to find the right balance of uh, input from different sources that you can. And I think models can provide really a, a tremendous uh, sort of like objective um, input for, for people making decisions. Okay. Okay, awesome. Um, Simon, do you have anything to add to that or I can ask the next? Okay. Uh, all good. Mm-hmm. And next question at FPL Ball on Twitter asked, I'll, well, I won't ask the first question, by the way, but he says, uh, I listened to all uncertainty podcast episodes during the summer. Did the lads' enthusiasm for the FPL diminish after FPL review was on their pod and they realized their own models were redundant? And how much of an edge is there to analytics when every content creator is now looking at reviews? So I'm more interested in the second part of the question because first part, we kind of talked a little bit. Um, yeah, I mean, is there an edge left now that especially popular content creators like uh, Let's Talk FPL Andy is using and checking review and then coming up with the drafts based on that? So I guess the edge is disappearing on that sense, Simon? Uh, a little bit. I think that there's still an edge in like how much you trust it, mm-hmm. um, which I think is eventually going to be seen as like knee-jerking your moves on a Saturday night. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's going to take a decade. Um, and I think like Jamie just touched upon that, I think there's it's, it's really a starting point to your decision-making. Uh, so mm-hmm. I, I just echo what Jamie in the previous question really okay and well how did a... you feel when that guy said your model was redundant though Simon, <laughs> that, that did it make yeah you let's feel? talk about that um he's right it's just just spitting facts yeah yeah you just, you just gotta take the truth when it hurts you know yeah I mean, review is obviously putting lots of time on the model, so yeah, and it's accessible. Absolutely. I mean, if it was a kind of a private model that he keeps for himself, then we would be probably motivated to do our own models to catch up. But when it's available, I guess there's not much point to spend that much time. Um, and I saw on. Yeah, so this was from the discussion. This question comes from that. I saw on Twitter that you won't keep your mod player model anymore, Simon. And um, I guess you will be using review reviews model. But you also said you will keep a team ratings model, like Jamie do. So my question is: Is there an advantage of doing it from an FPL point of view, or is it mostly for football analytics in general? Yeah, well, um, yeah, the reason not, not keeping the player model is because um, of FBO Bo's comment. Um, just uh, dagger to the heart, and I'm just going to shut it down. Um, <laughs> um, no, it's just, it's just it's a lot of work to maintain a player model and much more work than maintaining a team ratings model. Mm-hmm. Like, mostly because, yeah, as I mentioned before, you've got to maintain the minutes for everyone. And that's just absolutely pain in the ass. Um, I don't think there really is an FPL advantage to having a team ratings model, to be honest. Uh, it's more just a hobby. Um, okay. 
and uh, I find it fun. And it, it's it's kind of like I, I was maintaining a team ratings model before I started playing FPL. Mm. Um, and so I'm not going to shut that down probably okay. for a good while. Yeah, got it. And I guess you agree to that, Jamie? Yep, totally agree. It's just fun. Uh, like there's, there's so the, the question might be getting at how do you like do you use your team ratings model in some way to like override the the, the player model and sometimes you know like do those things conflict when they're saying different things and some of that and it's like not really no you know i just i, I just like trust the player model and then maybe like in the back of my mind i think oh my team ratings model kind of really likes this team though so <laughs> maybe i'll bench this guy instead of that guy you know because it's like 0.1 ev or something like that you know but yeah it's just fun okay and so the final question is actually based on what we have discussed so far about the minutes where the, you know, predicting minutes will become more and more important. Uh, simple question says, how to predict or process to predict expected minutes? It's from Ed Anut on Twitter. Well, my question then is, do you guys follow Premier League games? Like, do you watch games? Jamie, do you want to go first? Yeah, sure. So, um, nope, I don't watch games. Um, I don't really have like the lifestyle that supports being able to do it, like young family and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. even still, I never really did it that much. Um, I like football, but I sort of like it because half of my interest in it is like the analytics side and stuff like that. Um, so, you know, part of me is like, it's, it's almost like a sort of, stubborn thing to an extent you know i could mm-hmm. watch match of the day if i wanted but um i don't watch games and i find that you can sort of be successful at fpl to some degree i think if i watched games i'd have a chance to be better than i am you know i'm not saying that it's it's, it's useless and stuff like that but uh, it just just isn't for me how do you predict minutes without watching games just the same way like you you know you do with any other like a uh, numerical thing that you're trying to predict it can respond well to um sort of trend based analysis basically mm-hmm. and then there's other things you need to take into account like specific status of the squad who's fit who's unavailable who has somebody is you know uh, supplanted someone else in the kind of hierarchy at their position and stuff like that like that stuff's hard i remember review before the hive mind minutes came around had a model that was like a hierarchy based one i thought wow that's so cool it's like it's it's tending to think someone's ahead and then you know it observes enough evidence and it switches to like you know and i thought oh that sounds great and stuff and it's like i don't think it i, I think it was still too hard to get into the the minutia of the, the all the small corners and, and predict the minutes really well so i think predicting minutes i used to have like when i had my crazy spreadsheet i used to do this thing which kind of like dragged a window of like the last six games hmm. for only premier league games for that every player on a team and then i could filter it for just the team Mm-hmm. So I could see like for that team who's played like the last six games and I could fill out for position if I wanted and see, okay, for those positions, who's playing, like it gives you like some idea of the hierarchy and stuff. And if people missed games because they were injured and suspended, I used to go around and put like little ones and zeros in and say, oh no, he didn't play here because he was injured. And so what you'd get is like, you'd get measures for like, how often did they play of the times that they were available? 
Yeah. And you could use that as a metric. Like I really like the FB ref stuff that they've got on playing time now for players, if you go to it. And you can see um, what I really like as a one metric to use, if you have to use one, is minutes per squad made. I don't think they've got that metric exactly like that on FBRF, but you can easily derive it, right? So mm-hmm. out of all the times this person was in the match day squad, how many minutes did they tend to get on average? You know, so it kind of includes out where they bench, did they start, did they sub on or off and stuff like that. Um, I really like that as a metric and just like to get a high level view of how kind of likely it is for a player to play. But yeah, you can you can have a look at how it's trending. You can try and take weighted averages. You could, you know, there's there's a bunch of different approaches you could take, but mm-hmm. it responds really well to the hive mind approach, wisdom of the crowd, lots of people voting on how many minutes they will get and kind of netting out at an answer. Um, but yeah, it, it's... You can bleep this, but it is a bitch, I think. Uh, (laughs) I will keep it. And Simon, do you have anything to add to this? Um, Yeah, I think it's it's really not easy to do in an analytical way. Uh, I think Jamie touched upon that. Um, Mm -hmm. The way I do it, which I'm not sure is the way I would recommend, is I uh, just drop some really strong opinions in a group chat without really thinking about having about thinking about those opinions before and get people to tell me that I'm wrong. Um, <laughs> and usually they do. And they uh, do. that's, that's, that's how I adjust my expected minutes. Um, <laughs> I, get, I just outsource it to everyone else uh, and just bait them. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I like it. I like it. That's clever. That's actually more clever than I, I can give you credit for saying. Well, thanks a lot for joining me today, both of you. I think we couldn't cover all the questions, but hopefully we can host you again in some point in future if you guys are up for it. And if Jamie doesn't play FBL this season, we can learn if he's in peace now or not. If he plays, we can ask if he regretted it again and if he will repeat the same pattern next season. I'm sure I will. Yeah, I'm sure <laughs> I'll play it. I'm sure I'll, I'll hit every minute of it. <laughs> <laughs> Any last comments, Simon? Nothing for me. Mm-hmm. Jamie? No, thank you for inviting us on. Sure. Keep doing My what pleasure. you do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been awesome. Yeah, cheers. Mm-hmm. Thank you. And thanks everyone for the questions and thanks for listening. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you will get notified when the next episode comes out. Or follow us on Twitter. For me, it is at SertaBilal. And for Buzz, it is at Belfi BB, and our guests today were host of the Corridor of Uncertainty podcast. It is uncertainty underscore pod on Twitter, and it was Simon, analytic underscore FPL, and Jamie, we underscore rogue. We are getting closer to game week one deadline slowly, and we'll talk about optimal team for the beginning of the season with Buzz next week. Good luck with creating 50 more drafts meanwhile and talk to you soon again. Bye.